have God's servants with us. I'll be introducing them very shortly as they will be blessing us with the word. I will go straight into the uh, series topic just for a few minutes today, and then I will um, ask God's servants to come and be a blessing to us. But I want to just quickly take us through the theme of the day, which is fruitfulness by kindness, fruitfulness by kindness. This is session eight of our series, which we have been learning right from uh, the beginning of the month of April. And God has been very good to us. This is a 13-part series, which is very unusual with us as a church. We normally have them in eight or maximum 12, but this is a 13-part series, and we're grateful to God for how he's been helping us through it. We have been looking at the concept of sanctification from the place of sanctification of the total man, spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24 has been our major focus in that regard. And I just want to say that by the grace of God, as we continue to examine the fact that sanctification takes place in our spirit, our soul, and our body, God will continue to give us understanding of how he desires to work in us and through us in the work of sanctification, which he started with us when we gave our lives to him. But the Bible says that the desire of God is that those aspects of us, spirit, soul, and body, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the sanctification of the soul, which has been the focus for this month, we say it has to do with our willpower, our emotions, and our intellect. And last week, we looked at the emotion of joy, which is so powerful. We looked at the fact that God wants us to be sanctified and to have a joyful spirit. And uh, today, we're looking at the sanctification of the soul that helps us to be kind, The act of kindness is replicating what God has done for us, being kind to us, showing us his love by the act of his mercy. Now, we looked many times at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, that tells us about the spirit of the Lord resting upon Jesus Christ, of which we are also partakers. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, we said, is a working of the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to be sanctified and also allows us to have in us the desire to want to be godly to want to have reverence for God. Every manifestation of the Holy Spirit that we read in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 has a specific focus. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of the Lord itself, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel. And we say the spirit of the fear of the Lord walks in us to have a due reverence for God, to desire to be like God continually, consistently. This is the spirit, this is the working of the Holy Spirit that helps us to be kind, to show mercy like God, that helps us to see from the perspective of God when our flesh desires to just see things from the natural and carnal perspective, from the 
distinctive angle, like the man we read about in Matthew chapter 18. When we want to be punitive and mean and harsh, and we want to be merciless, it is the spirit of the fear of the Lord that works in us to help us to see things from the eyes of compassion like God does. Matthew chapter 18, again, I would like to quickly read from verse 32. The Bible says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. This was a man who himself was owing money, and then he took on somebody who was owing him money and put him in prison because that person couldn't pay. And the same way he begged and he got mercy is the same way this person was begging him. But then he refused and he put the person in prison. So they went and told the master, as you heard in the, in the passage today. Verse 33 said, Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? And this is the word of the Lord to every one child of God, every redeemed child of God, everyone who has been saved, everyone who has been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The same way that mercy was shown to us at the cross, whereby God helped us to come to salvation. He is asking every one of us that should we also not be having compassion on our fellow servants, fellow people. Every compassion we have received, every mercy we have received is a debt that we owe to others. Every mercy we have received from God is a debt that we owe to others to repay. Every time we are confronted with an opportunity to show mercy, to have compassion, to show kindness, we must understand that we have to remember that we are compelled to show it because we have been shown compassion as well. Verse 34, the Bible says, And his master was very angry with him and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. As kingdom citizens, we know very well According to Galatians 5, 23 again, passages we have read so much. It says that we who walk in the Spirit manifest the fruit of the Spirit. We walk in love. We walk in joy. We have joy. We have peace. We walk in kindness. We are expected to walk in kindness, gentleness, goodness. We are expected to walk in faithfulness. And we are expected to be people of self-control. Kindness is a fruit or an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that as I said, helps us to channel the kindness we have received from God even to other people. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22, shows us very clearly that God wants us to be kind. The Bible says, what is desired in a man is kindness. What is desired in a man is kindness. He said in, 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 in the book of um, um, Ecclesiastes, he said that he has shown you, O man, what is good. Sorry, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he said, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you than to do justly and to love mercy. To love mercy. Do justly and love mercy. What is desired in a man is kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. King David was a man who was reputed as a man after God's own heart. If you look at the life of King David, you will understand that not just because he was somebody who worshipped God in the temple seven times a day, as the Bible says, that was a good sign. Not just because he loved to sing songs, he loved to sing harps, uh, using these instruments and play harps and things. Not just because of that, but because he himself was a person who understood the place of compassion and mercy. 
He showed kindness many times. He was kind to Saul. A man who was trying to kill you was now a man that was put in your disposition to kill, and yet you refused to do so. A man who was after your life, you had opportunity, very ample opportunity to strike back and take him out once and for all, and yet you refused. He, he showed kindness to Hanon. He showed kindness to Mephibosheth, among several others. He showed kindness to his friend, Jonathan, even after his death. David was a man who understood this principle. No wonder, even when he crossed the line, even when he did the unthinkable of somebody of his stature and the work that he had with God, and he crossed into adultery and went on ahead to go into lying, deceit, and plotting, evil plotting, and murder, ultimately, God still showed compassion on him. Of course, there were consequences of his bad actions, but God still showed compassion on him. When Nathan told him that he was the man, that he was telling the, the story about stealing the lamb of the poor man that could do nothing, and David said, oh, I have sinned. Nathan said to David, yes, you have, but God has had compassion on you. You will not die. Hallelujah. David enjoyed extraordinary compassion from God because of his heart of compassion. And I want us to understand that if we want to continue to enjoy the kindness of God, we must make ultimate and utmost in our hearts the art of showing the fruit of the spirit of kindness. This is an example in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. The Bible says, It happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died, and Hanon his son reigned in his place. Now, let's read verse 2 together. Look at what David said. Let's go together, everybody. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanon, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servant came into the land of the people of Ammon. Of course, later on we know that they, they were tricked. They did not believe. They thought that he was plotting evil. But the Bible says, David said, I will show kindness to this man because his father showed me kindness. Many Christians forget the kindness of God. Maybe that's even far-fetched. Many people forget the kindness of man to them. <laughs> when it is the opportunity for them to show kindness, they forget. Look, no matter who you are in this earth, ever since the day you were born, people were showing you kindness. That's where you got to where you are. Somebody gave you milk when you didn't even know where to get it. I've even gone too far. Somebody carried you in her body for nine months. You rattled her body. You caused her problems of all kinds, different types. <laughs> for nine months. And gave birth to you and helped you in life. Taught you about using the potty. Taught you uh, how to walk. Helped you to be somebody. And then when, now that you have become a person in your own right, you do not understand that the, the place you got to is as a result of kindness and mercy that people have showed you when you were helpless, when you could do nothing about yourself. How many people today have been helped in different ways, but when it's time for them to pay back to others, they do like that man, put people in prison. Do you know it is not until we are as harsh as we read in Matthew 18 about that man putting somebody in prison. You know what it means? A helpless person is a person in a chain. When we refuse to show them kindness, we are leaving them in that chain. 
The Bible says, withhold not good from anyone if it is in your power to do it. The thing that did not flow out that should have been a solution is a deterrent, is a deterrent of the kindness that should be enjoyed by somebody else. We must make up our minds to understand that we must be like David, a person who thinks about kindness shown to him all the time. He knew that Jonathan was kind to him. He remembered. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul? Second Samuel 9, 1. Who is left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness to him? That is Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Anyone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness to him? And of course we know they told him about Mephibosheth and he went and brought that great servant of God, who was lame in his feet by reason of an accident that had happened to him earlier on. You know his story very well. But David went out of his way to show kindness. The Bible says a time came when David had rest round about. God helped him. Before that time, he was fighting between Hebron and, his, uh, and Jerusalem. There was a lot of tussle about him becoming a person who was going to be the king and so on. Then suddenly God helped him. He became king, ruling from Jerusalem. And uh, the Bible says he now had rest round about. David did not stay in rest. The first thing he said is, I'm living in, palace, in a palace this good. I must build something for my God, number one. I must build something for my God. Then the number two thing, he started thinking of people that he needs to help. This is when he remembered the house of Saul. Only a kind man will remember the house of a man who was trying to kill you till he died. <laughs> you must be operating by the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You must truly be in, into it. You must be drunk in that spirit. It cannot happen in the flesh because no human reasoning can think like that. It is illogical. So I want to quickly just, before I, I take my seat this morning, I want to quickly just tell us a couple of expressions of kindness that we need to learn from and continue to exhibit. Ephesians 4.32 tells us, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Every one of us must understand that it is a command for us to be kind. And the first thing about, our, about this command is the fact that we are expected to be tender-hearted. He said, be tender-hearted. Say to your neighbor for me, be tender-hearted. That means have a soft heart. The Bible talks about breaking up our fallow grounds, for it is time to seek the Lord. Hosea 10, 12. The heart of man is like a soil. It's like the soil. Without the water, it becomes hard. What is the water? The word. Without a continuous washing of the water by the word, the heart has a tendency to be hard. This is why Jeremiah looked at it and said, this heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Because before you know it, it starts to harden up towards your spouse, harden up towards your child, harden up towards your brother, harden up towards your sister. How many people's hearts have been hardened up in church life that they, they no longer find believers worthy of relationships? 
because it gradually creeps in. He will say, they did this to me. Heart hardens up. They did that to me. Heart hardens up. And then before you know it, that same person becomes a, it becomes a challenge to themselves. And they stop believing in God and the people of God. It takes the washing of the water by the word, by the fear of the Lord, walking it in us, for that heart to be tender. He said, be tender-hearted. You can't be tender-hearted by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, creating me a clean heart consistently. It's not until you fall into sin before you pray a prayer like that. Don't wait until you fall. That time is harder to pray. <laughs> it's harder to pray. Pray it before you find yourself in a compromise. Say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. God will be showing you the signs when you need to pray it. When you imagine certain things about certain people. When you think in certain way, and the Holy Spirit tells you that is a bad way of thinking. Then you say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. Help my heart to be tender-hearted. So to be tender-hearted, we have to be, number one, we, we should be tender-hearted with our words and actions. This is the first way I want us to, to, to look at this morning. We should be tender-hearted with our words and our actions. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, it said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the settings of silver. This is a very favorite scripture of mine. I used to preach it so much when I started preaching. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the settings of silver. It stands out when you know how to use the right words to be kind. Before you speak, think in your heart, is what I'm about to say with grace, is it going to be edifying or is it going to be demoting? Is it going to be edifying, lifting up, or is it going to be putting down? Is it going to bring a burden or is it going to lift a burden? The words that we speak, the Bible says, must be fitly spoken. Because when they are fitly spoken, they stand out in, in settings of silver like apples of gold. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer. So we must choose our words carefully when we speak to others, especially when we are trying to correct people. Many people have lost their children. Many people have lost their spouses. Many people have lost relationships, have lost their jobs because they spoke harshly. They were careless with their words. Before you speak to your brother, before you say something, weigh the evidences. Think about it. The Bible says, let your conversations be seasoned with grace as you would do with salt. Make it sweet. Make it pleasurable. Every one of us must understand that we need to be kind with our words. We must not be people who speak the way we like. We must not be people who are uncaring about the hearer. He said, I just spoke my mind. No, your mind may mislead you. Your mind may not put the right words in your mouth. You need the Holy Spirit to let you see what, that is, what is in your mind to put the words to convey it in the ideal way. May God continue to grant us wisdom in Jesus' name. We need to be kind with our actions. The story of the person famously called the Good Samaritan comes to mind in Luke chapter 10. Verse 33, the Bible says, after the priest and the Levite had passed this man that was on his way to, uh, uh, to Jericho from Jerusalem and was relayed by thieves and was beaten up almost dead, after the priest and the Levite had passed the other way, the Bible says, this man, a Samaritan, the Bible says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, 
came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. This word summarized everything about what he did. He picked up the man, bandaged his wounds, took him to an inn, helped them to take, asked them to take care of him, came back again, and he said that he will give them money to continue to take care of him until he is well. His actions were actions of kindness. We should not just be kind with our words, we should be kind with our actions. Our actions must speak. Our material substances must go into acts of kindness. Our time must go into acts of kindness. To be kind is a sacrificial duty. To be a kind person is something you must do out of a sacrificial heart. You cannot be kind without a sacrifice. Every act of kindness will demand, will place a demand on you for something. A good word is a demand on you to think it through before you use it. A kind act will take resources from you, will take something of your time, will take something of your, your ability, will take something that will cost you. So you must understand that if you are going to be kind, you must allow the Holy Spirit to make you liberal with the things he has given to you to extend to others for kindness. Number two, which I will stop on this morning, is that you should be forgiven. Can I have the life singers come up, please? You should be forgiven. Be forgiven. Life singers, please come up. Be forgiven. Forgiveness is all about showing mercy just as it is being received. Forgiveness yields to us fruitfulness of the soul. When we are a forgiving people, we allow God to help us. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7. He says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. You want to continue to obtain mercy? I say you want to continue to obtain mercy? Just be merciful. You don't need long prayer to continue to enjoy God's mercy. There is already his pronouncement. He said, blessed, fruitful, productive, increasing, blessed, abundantly, increasing, advancing, progressing, promoted. That's the word blessed. Are the merciful because they will be obtaining mercy every time they need it. The Bible says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find grace to help us in time of need. But the first thing is that we may obtain what? Mercy. Mercy opens the door for you to find the grace that you need. We are going to be looking at grace and mercy again in a few weeks' time, but I want us all to understand that if you want to be a person who is living this life to the max, allowing the mercy of God to flow into your life, you must be a person who is showing mercy. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Tell your neighbor for me, put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. And then he goes on to list the things that you must put in place to make tender mercies and kindness work. Humility, meekness. You cannot be a kind person if you are proud. You can't be forgiving if you are proud. It takes humility to be a forgiving person. Do you know that? Because at times you forgive somebody who actually deserves punishment. <laughs> somebody who actually wronged you. Somebody that is actually in the wrong, you still forgive. It takes humility. He said, put it on. Bring back the scripture. He said, put on humility, meekness, long-suffering, long-suffering, patience. Rise to your feet with me. You are going to pray to... Well, well.